Welcome to episode four of Pull the Goalie. I'm your host, Peter Bradbury, along with Joe Scutts. Afternoon, Scutsy. Afternoon, Pete. It's fairly early in the day for us to be recording this, this song. Uh, yes, well, there's not exactly a lot to do, really, is there? No. No, this is true. Um, so this edition is literally... <laughs> it's almost like a really bad version of Mr. and Mrs. Um, well, it's not really anything like that, is it? It's just questioning. Um, it's more of an interrogation. Yes, I've, I've, I was trying to think of the word, and I couldn't even think of it. Literally because my head has frazzled from all this lockdown. Um, so, because you have more of the questions in the fact that you have roughly how many? Um, about a dozen, I'd say. Hmm. Some of them are more like open-ended, because basically, like, it's your show, and obviously you talk a lot about hockey in general, so basically I wanted to try and get the Pete Bradbury story, as it were. It's... It could go on for an hour, it could go on for ten minutes, we'll see how it goes, shall we? As opposed to the Ted Bundy story. But... Let's hope you haven't murdered anyone just yet. Um, well, the day's young. <laughs> but, anyway. Not that, I'm, is... not that I'm trying to, you know, steal his act or anything. But anyway, what is your earliest hockey memory that you can remember, anyway? Uh, earliest hockey memory is not strictly hockey as such. Sorry. Um, my first hockey memory is watching the old Wayne's World TV show on BBC Two. For, for those of a certain age that recall that show being on, um, I think it used to be on at like half five or six six o'clock in the evening, which used to then kind of coincide with the old Batman nineteen sixties episodes on Channel Four, but. I digress. Um, but I always seem to recall one, I think it was in the film as well, they had an old Chicago Blackhawks reference in there. So yeah. I've always remembered seeing the logo and I had absolutely no idea who it was or what it was. I just remember it was a sports team and had kind of I'm trying to think of the PC term. Um, Nate, is it Indian? I can't think of the term. Native American. That's the one. It's because I've been what? It's because I've been watching old school review, the wrestling show, yeah. and they've been talking about Tatanka. And they said, I mean... and they've said we can't we can't use that term, to which I've probably just used. Yep. It's what it's like you say with the Blackhawks on the logo. I mean, it hasn't changed much, if at all, it's over been, the run. It's just been made bolder. Like every it's it's, single logo has at one point in one time. I mean, so one of the questions I'll leave does touch on the Blackhawks again later, but would mm. you say it's probably one of the most iconic logos in hockey, if not sport in general? Um, I think you have to say it is. It's, it's recognisable. But then again, some people that aren't 
of sporting origins, so to speak. Um, mm. It could be... Well, you always get the famous one of someone will see it. And I can guarantee you will show ten people that have no idea of sports as such. You show them the logo. And I would take a fair bet that about three, maybe four, would say the Washington Redskins. Because yeah, that's of... Yeah, a, a fair assumption, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's not many going to say, oh, that's the Chicago Blackhawks. So, so again, it's just going off track then. My girlfriend, before we met, had never really taken an interest in sports in general. Like, occasionally watched a bit of hockey when it was on Channel 5. Couldn't remember the theme name, but knew it was a hockey logo. So it's like, all right, you get, a, you get half a point for that one. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's, oh, there's an, it's another thing as well that's kind of slightly going off subject, but slightly touching on it. Logos... We could possibly come back to this another time, but logos where it's specific, uh, specifically for one team, but can get confused with another sporting team. So even for like the Blackhawks logo, you could have someone say the Atlanta Braves or just anything that has kind of like a connotation towards that particular thing. Um. The only team, there's only two teams you will definitely get people saying, I know that one. And that is the New York Yankees yeah. and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. To which you can't really go wrong with the Maple Leafs because, well, <laughs> yeah, it's actually got it written on the logo as, as if you wouldn't know the difference. Unless they were playing Canada. I was like, which one's which? We'll paint our maple leaf blue and put Toronto maple leaves. There you go. See, Paul's Golly podcast, planning future podcasts, what we record current ones. Have you noticed we seem more productive during the day than we do it in the evenings? It's almost as if we're not tired. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on, obviously, uh, if I stay in this country first, so if we stay in... This wonderful nation of ours, Great Britain. Um, most people know, obviously, you're Manchester-based. Would you say your hockey love really started with the Manchester Storm, the first edition yeah. of the Manchester Storm? Yes. Um, Just mostly because it was the first team I'd ever seen. Hmm. Um, so, uh, slight backstory to this, and will not take long whatsoever. No, no, by all means. Um, so, my dad at the time, before he retired, was a postman. I thought you were about to say, my dad at the time, I've got a new one now, the other <laughs> yeah. one, that's, uh, yeah, I him off. traded him in for a, like a... a... CEX. <laughs> How much, just going to CEX, how much can I trade this, this old... This, one, this one's defective. Yeah. <laughs> how old is it? Ancient. Um, so, yeah, me... My dad was um, a postie, and one of his mates that he he, he knew at the time um, used to go to. I think he used to go to the old Trafford metros, which is what the Manchester Storm kind of became later on. So it was the metros, and then uh, the metros got moved, and they kind of t turned into Storm. 
uh, which I didn't know until I was doing research on it not long ago. Because um, pretty much all Manchester, kind of like, um, not lower teams, but kind of like minority sports, all seem to start off kind of like Trafford. Somewhere else. Yeah, yeah they all seem to not be necessarily in Manchester. Uh, same as the Manchester Giants, which is an interesting one. They were they were based in Stockport, hmm. and then you had the Manchester United basketball team. Eventually, they all morphed into the Giants. But again, slightly going off topic. Um, but yeah, me, my dad's friend used to be a, a Metro's fan. Followed the Storm, and he asked me dad about going to catch a game one day. And just as luck had happened, uh, the Storm were on Sky TV that night in the old British League Division 1. Literally because it was a new arena. First, yeah, first year. So the first, first year. So it was all built up as the mighty all-conquering Manchester Storm. I hadn't won anything by this at, at this time. Mm. So the new kids on the block, uh, annihilating pretty much every team they faced. Um, so they faced the the Blackburn Hawks, who were the title challengers that season. So everyone kind of made a big song and dance about Manchester were going to win fairly comfortably. Um, fairly decent crowd packed into the, the 9X arena as it was at that time. Just for obviously some people who may not listen to this might not know Nine X. The Nine X, I believe, is now the what was the MEN? Is it still the MEN? No, it's gone through it's a not. couple of changes. It's I, I still know it is the MEN, but it's it was the Nine X Arena, which I will still happily call the Nine X Arena, <laughs> despite the fact Nine X have been non-existent for about twenty years. Um, then it went to the MEN Arena, or as I seem to recall. I recall a London Knights fan once saying the Men Arena until someone had to explain to him no, it's abbreviated Manchester N. Evening News e. Arena. N. Despite the fact in massive kind of like neon lights outside it was like Manchester Evening News very small lettering arena. Um, so we had that and the worst one we had which thank God didn't last for long was the phones for you arena um which it's I, now just the manchester arena it? yeah it's kind of gone like sheffield did sheffield went through a phase of the sheffield arena then it was the hallam arena then it changed to something else uh then it became the sheffield arena thankfully and now it's gone to the the fly SDA, yeah, like which is uh, it's basically Doncaster Airport, but it's Doncaster Dash <coughs> Sheffield Airport. Um, so promoting local business. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, to which I want them to go back to Sheffield because I'm retro, and I remember wanting to go to the Sheffield Arena when I was younger. Never happened until 2015. Um, so yeah, um, Storm faced 
Blackburn on Sky TV, big crowd, everyone's expecting Stone to wipe Blackburn off the face of the earth. They proceeded to lose 12-9. But they were something like 12-3 down with like six minutes to go or something. It's just what you've been talking about. I did look up, obviously, the 95-96, British Division 1. I know, it's possibly showing your age here. Blackburn finished second, Manchester were first. <laughs> Manchester <laughs> played, played 52, won 49, tied 1, lost 2. And you were at one of the games they lost. <laughs> yeah. impressive. No, I didn't actually go to that one. That was the one I watched live on watched. TV. It was the following... Or oh, that following weekend I actually took in my first game can you remember who it was against yes and if you can just waste a slight bit of time I can actually give you the date it's okay uh, so if you you know just want to well I, I, if, if I found for a bit obviously if I look down the 9496 obviously again there's not many names that I recognise the one that obviously the two that obviously do leap out from the 9596 roster are Hilton Ruggles and Daryl Lipsy. For yeah, I'd... differing reasons as well. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm I'm trying to think in order of how they used to come out because it wasn't a case of like nowadays teams just come out as one. It yeah, used to be announced. Things. Yeah, there was the long dragged out. Kind of. I I do think people, they should go back to it personally, especially for an opening night kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean the the first the first game of the season, fair enough, but yeah. So I've got it up now because I've thankfully I've <laughs> I've just found it on my Facebook page and I have actually put Nine X Arena. I've not put MEN. Um, so November twelfth, nineteen ninety five. Do you want to take a guess who it was again? I'll give you a clue. They are in the NI... Well, they are in the National League. I'll put it that way. So if they're in the National League and there is it down to three teams from this list. Hmm. And I don't think it's the Cats. So which makes it two. No. So I'm going to say the Bracknell Bees. No. Peterborough? Nope. That's all the national team. Oh, Telford. Yes. And it's Telford off the list. Yeah. As you, as you can rightly do. There's, there's some different names in this league. You've got uh, Manchester Storm, Blackburn Hawks, Bracknell Bees, Swindon Wildcats, Dumfries, Border Vikings, I will, and even now the Solway Sharks. I was just going them? to say, do you know who the Solway uh, yeah. Sharks used to be? Uh, Guildford Flames, Paisley Pirates, yep. Telford Tigers, the Medway Bears, yep. which would technically be in Victor nowadays. Yep. Chelsea Chieftains, Peter Pirates, Sonny Harvarans, the Billingham Bombers, and the Murrayfield Royals. Yep. I want to say for a brief time they were the Racers, but I think they, they were the, the Royals. Uh, they were because, obviously, as we're recording this today, uh, I saw a thing which was the 30th anniversary of Cardiff Devils versus the Murrayfield Racers. Yeah. So that was 1990. Because I, I think we played Murrayfield Royals at either Boxing Day or during Christmas week. I remember just being stuck outside in the in the arena foyer um, where, where we used to have an old hockey shop, uh, which a few people will recall, called Skate Attack. So if anyone has an old power play or ice hockey news review, they will recall seeing that. 
or even if they went to the arena at the time. Because we used to have Skate Attack, and then we used to have a McDonald's. Um, we did have something else, but it's too far back from... <laughs> too long ago. Yeah. So, obviously, you started following them in November, and that was the year they won British Division 1. Uh-huh. From there, obviously, and I've seen people talk about it on places like the Hockey Forum, but I don't think I've ever spoken to you about your thoughts on this. And again, obviously, I appreciate it. It's a long time ago. Storm in what was then the British Super League. Mm -hmm. What are your memories of that? Um, Let's go for the good good times here, obviously, because I'm looking at this, and you've got 98-99 being the year they won it. And there was a couple of other good years around there. Let's talk about the high times first. What were your positive memories of the Super League and the Storm in it? To be honest, um, I only watched it from like 90, well, the first season, which was 96 to 97. And then from just after 2000, I kind of stopped going around that time. Uh, Either due to parents just couldn't afford going constantly every week or just other reasons. Um, Majority of the whole time I went, I actually enjoyed going. To, I mean, the, the first year in Super League was a complete opposite from pretty much what we'd seen the year before, when we're hammering like the Solihull Barons 26-3 at home and having brawls on the ice with them, um, and having Cantona in the crowd watching on literally a week after he'd, he'd done the, uh, the the kung fu kick the kung fu kick at yeah. Park. which still makes me laugh plus the fact I actually made the home the end of season video in that game as well so you've got Cantona then I think a goal and then I'm there with my blonde hair <laughs> starting to do the starting to do the, the goal celebration dance which every single hockey team in the mid-90s did. And it was always the same dance. Yes. Pretty much. Um, there was there was no difference other than music. Um, but the, the first year was a kind of... It was an interesting one because we didn't really think we were ever going to, to do much. Considering you had the likes of the Sheffield Steelers... Nottingham Panthers, uh, Cardiff Devils, who went on to win the first one. Um, then you had you had the Bracknell Bees, to which the game in the first season against them is still arguably my favourite game. Well, maybe not whole game, but it's the best ending to a game, I think, in the fact that we were, I think, 4-3 down with two minutes to go. Um, I think Nick Poole, former Milton Keynes player, uh, he completed his hat-trick in the game to make it 4-4. Um, I think Mike Morin scored to make it 5-4. Brad Savisha, who, from... 
reading thing, I didn't really think he was that good, to be honest. I thought he was alright. Uh, he made it 6-4. Um, then you had Johnstone from Bratnell score with about 5 seconds to go. So from a game that was 4-3, four, four with just literally on 2 minutes to go to end 6-5, is probably the craziest game to a Super League one I can remember. Um, and I have posted it on YouTube and watched it many, many times. And, and I think I have sent it to a couple of Bratnell friends over the years. Just to wind them up. Yeah, but they've been kind of winding me up this week playing an old bees storm game. So, so fair, only fair, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the second season, I remember. I still remember the the start of the second season. We'd got rid of John Lawless, who was our coach at the time. Um. Because there had been a either a fallout or there'd been something behind the scenes, uh, so we had Kurt Klein endorsed. God behind the bench, um, to which I remember at the time really not wanting him, <laughs> due to the fact that it was kind of like, no, John Lawless is a storm one. John Lawless is kind of like you are when you're a, when you're a kid. Anything different happens, you don't like it. Yeah. Uh, so that was literally kind of like my thinking to, to which the way they tried to uh, promote Kurt Kleinendorf coming to Storm was him going to a Harry Ramsden's chip shop <laughs> and he says oh that's Kurt, so painfully British Kurt fly was it Kurt comes in and he's cheap as chips or there was some reference or something like that um so it was like, look on one side of the page and it was like City getting drubbed at home to like Gillingham or Bristol Rovers, whoever it was. <clears throat> and on the other side, it was literally sort of climbing door, signs for storm. To which I thought he was a player at first until mm. I read it. Um, but yeah, that, that season we finished second behind the Air Scottish Eagles. Um, it's a really weird season that one for me um, just due to the fact that it was a good season but it was slightly disappointing we we missed out but we we did make a, a few errors um, plus we've, we we got into Europe which was a an interesting reasoning Um which I, I might do for another show, because it should have been the Cardiff Devils. Um, but it was the fact that Cardiff, uh, Cardiff's rink at the time, the the old Welsh national ice rink, was deemed too small by the International Ice Hockey Federation to hold European games. Um, so they kicked Cardiff out, so to speak, and they we're going to put someone else in. Sheffield, I think, were asked. Sheffield refused. Stood with Cardiff. So, so they came to Manchester and said, would you like to go in Europe? We know you finished, like, 7th out of 8th in the league, or 8th out of 10th, but would you uh, fancy going into Europe? And we went, yes. Yeah, go on, then. Uh, to which we got drubbed pretty much every game. 
Um, so from so from, oh, the other slight tidbit from that was uh, kind of got put back in, only to be told that you would have to play all your European hockey league matches at like half five, but in Manchester. So it'd be like a four-hour journey to go to Manchester to play to come back. So, <clears throat> needless to say, that didn't happen. Uh, the third year, we won the title. Um, a fair few decent games from that. We, we beat Sheffield quite a lot, which is always a plus. Um, fourth year, we won the the old B&H Cup, which sadly doesn't exist anymore due to tobacco reasons. Um, but after that, it, I think this is where it kind of went down in the fact that there was a lot of free tickets given at the arena just to make it full. Because um, we were getting crowds of four, four to 8,000 a game. Fair by modern day standards, that's not bad. Yeah. How many of those were, were free tickets? I don't know. Um, the only reason I know this is, thankfully, my mum used to fill in the programmes at mm. the game. Uh, and whenever they gave the attendance out, she used to write it. So that's how I can tell. <laughs> Question so, mark. So it's like, thank you, mum. Um, so then uh, Klein Indoors left. <laughs> and, we, and we had the person that I detest in hockey more than anyone I've ever encountered. Me? Uh, no, you, you you just missed the cut, sadly. Um, we had Terry Christensen, to which Terry now, Christian before, before you go off would have been better. I've just, I've just had a look at this, because obviously I'm following along some of this with you. <clears throat> he only coached for one season and went back to uh, America. So I'm going to guess it didn't go particularly well. Um, no... And what I will do, because I might be chatting a tiny bit, is there was an yeah, article. It's the whole point. It's there the whole was an article. Oh, this will filter. There was an article that I sent a friend with one of our well-known players at Manchester called Pierre Allard, to which a few will have heard of him, and as and unless things have changed, he was depending your take on it, he was the um, fitness and strengthening coach to the Montreal Canadiens for the mm. last few years. Um, to which there's a lot of ex-Storm players during that era that have NHL jobs, or yes. at least AHL. Yeah, or they, or they have had them and yeah. have moved somewhere else. So, uh, the ones that I can remember, I think... Uh, Dave Morrison, who was the captain during the, the title win in the, I think, a, a year or two either side. I think he's a scout for the, I want to say, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, have a look. You've got Mike Bernard, or, or Mike Bernard, if you want to be really British about it. Uh, he is the... The vice president of the Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, Dave Morrison is currently the director of player personnel for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ah, so he, 
he's probably been upgraded. He retired. Uh, he has been a scout for the Maple Leafs. He originally started off as a scout for the Vancouver Canucks. So he's been doing it for essentially yeah. twenty years at this point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the it it will be interesting for you to read that article I've just sent you about it. In to which I'll kind of loosely come out with a couple of things. Yeah, and no, I um, in the fact that uh, I recall going to watch a couple of games that season and being extremely bored. <laughs> I nearly said uh, one word then. Um, yeah, bored out of my skull. And to which the fact was he'd come from college slash university hockey, because I think it was Tallahassee. Yes. Um, so he'd Which never been also in Florida. Yeah. Uh, so he'd never really coached professionally until he came to us. To which he, I don't want to say he was the god and Bombay of like college hockey, but he'd, he'd won a couple of things with them. So anyway, he comes to Manchester. Um, the closest thing I can replicate it to is Brian Clough coming to Leeds. And pretty much saying, take all your badges, all your medals, and throw them in a bin. That was pretty much his... <laughs> he had no people skills. There is yet I have yet to hear a story from a player in that era that either liked him or was treated like a person. I find there is... There's some coaches, obviously, you do hear a lot like that, where... Um... They have a fantastic hockey brain and they know how to get a team drilled and prepared, but they just lack the social skills to actually be able to talk to a player and get the best out of them. Yeah. And he does sound like the prime example of that. He clearly had all the nous in the world to maybe do a good job, mm. but because he couldn't get the team on side, no chance. Yeah. So I, there is... I might slightly be going slightly off on what he says <laughs> a lad um, but I think he'd gone off with one of the national team I want to say the Italian team probably the French because it's Pierre yeah the French um, so he'd, he'd gone for their international kind of like get togethers mm. I think he'd come back and he'd had a go at him for turning up to training like a week late and he didn't even know he played for an international team, he had no idea who one of or any of the players were. Uh, there is another article I've seen, and I can't find it. And I'm sure it's Morin basically <laughs> rips him apart in how bad he was, because uh, he said you can have managers that have motivation skills or um, will say things to get under your skin, get a response out of you. He was doing that, but there seemed to be no particular any hockey or any real motivation to get anything no. positive. Didn't want to win for the guy. Yeah. Uh, to which um, I think he could have took up the option of a second year and thank God he didn't. Um, but unfortunately, by that point, crowds had completely drained by this point. Because I, I think I'd gone to 
one storm game and it was like nine eight to nine thousand. Mm. Uh, then the next game I'd gone to was under Christensen and it was probably like three three and a half thousand. And you could tell the difference. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't a fan of his. So I've I've always said he was one of the main reasons the club completely imploded. Well, this 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 leads into my next report. Obviously, I know the vague knowledge I have of hockey at that time, two thousand two two thousand three season. It never got going. It <laughs> never basically got off the ground. I believe it was six games it lasted before the club went bankrupt. Yeah. If you don't want to ask about how old would you have been at that time when the club died? 2000... So, two thousand, late 2002, so, December time, yeah. I would have been six, 16. So, yeah, so I don't totally understand what's going, what's going on, so if you think... Yeah. If, you, if that happened back earlier, you'd have been. Oh, oh, let's go. But, but, the, but the thing is, what well, were your thoughts through the time through that? Because obviously, a team goes bankrupt, and <clears throat> we'll get into this obviously another time in a bit <laughs> down the line. Spoilers. Yeah. But what were your initial thoughts when you heard that's it, no more hockey in Manchester? Well, the only the only thing I'd say different to later on is because I wasn't really going regular. So I was literally reading like the newspaper sections for like the results or whatever. So after two thousand, after the two thousand two thousand and one season, we stopped. So from two thousand and one to two thousand two, um, that's really when was it? No. Yeah. 2000 to 2000, yeah, 1990 to 2000 was my final season. 2000 to 2001 was when I didn't really go as much. A bit more casual, yeah. Yeah. But so still, then, obviously, was, followed along like yeah. any other good fan would. But it was yeah. really, really loosely. Um, so, of course, because I seem to recall a game or two before the end, uh, they had to call off a game against Sheffield at the arena due to the ice plant breaking down mm. um, which cost them a fair bit um, but there is as m- this is slightly going again off topic but the as much as British ice hockey gets a kick in and quite rightly so at times there was a period during the, the late well late for storm years at least um, where if a team was struggling financially, they used to have kind of like whip rounds. Yeah. Um, to which Sheffield at one time were struggling very badly. I mean, this could have been one of their times where they, not folded, but they kind of like bankrupt and then they came back, kind of did it again. Um, yeah. We raised like a, a hell of a lot for them. And then when we were struggling, they did the same for us. So they kind of helped us out as after we'd helped them. And there was like a couple of other teams done the same thing. Um, that said, though, I recall listening to the local radio station 
which was GMR, or Greater Manchester Radio, um, which is now BBC Manchester, because they want to be all proper and everything. Um, so, I, I recall listening to the, the sports news for a breaking story, and it saying, uh, we have the sad announcement that Manchester Storm Ice Hockey Club has collapsed, folded, that's the end of it. Um, As much as I missed it, it didn't really register in truth, because I kind of went through a mini phase of not really following the game as much. So I kind of had like a little hiatus, so to speak, during the, (laughs) the Christiansen time. To probably when the new team came around, um, but in answer of how I, I kind of felt when the team, the original Storm folded, um, eh, eh. as much as I, as much as I want to kind of break down and become all Shakespearean and. <laughs> It was like you said. You sort of you took a step back from following the game. Obviously, when it happened, it's more of that sort of casual. Oh, that's a shame, kind of thing. Yeah. Move on. Like you're sad for a brief moment. Obviously, you think, well, I'm not going to go talking. Obviously, at the time, you don't know when it is going to be the next chance you get to go see a game. Yeah. As it turns out, it was about nine months. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because obviously, the storm guy in, as you say, late 2002, mm. and the next season. In the now rebranded Elite Ice Hockey League, <laughs> I still don't get the Elite part of it. You have the Manchester Phoenix. Yeah. As you said, that was probably would you say when you started going back into it again would be yeah the four year Elite League run. Yeah. So, and this is I still recall the main. I've I've never been so at the time. I might have been the most excited for a season to start ever when it first got going um, because I became really creative in the fact that I was photoshopping kind of like I'd written every player that had signed for each team and I'd done like a little picture of the rink and did the little it was like a really really bad crap high school project I'm saying talk about everyone's guilty of doing that yeah. at some point, so that was literally kind of like what I did um, to which the whole point of the Elite League, which will make you laugh, uh, was to bring through British players uh, in the fact that I think if you look back at the roster on every team in the first season, or the first couple of seasons, there will probably be about five, maybe six foreign players yeah. to which it was mostly Brits I think it was 75% Brits um, but then teams seemed to bring in like a very weak couple of imports unless they could keep some of the decent ones or ones that wanted to be dual nationality and it's like yeah I'll stay I'll stay um, to which the first season for the Manchester Stu- uh, sorry the Manchester Phoenix um, I think 
was it our first game was a 4-0 shutter of the London Racers at the Emian Arena. A team that now does not exist. Technically. If you unless you go on Wiki, because I think it's is it Stratton? Harringay. Harringay. I knew it was Harringay a London Huskies. team. Yeah. Um so played in I think it was four thousand in attendance in a building that holds seventeen thousand two hundred and forty five. Uh, I only know that because of the sell-up game that I was in. Um, so we'd... I remember going to that. Oh, oh no, sorry, I should have gone to that game, and we didn't. Uh, I don't know why. Probably because me dad was washing his hair, though he's bald. Uh, so, we'd, so we probably didn't go. Um, so I'd, I'd went to about three that season. Never saw Ooh. a Phoenix win. So I'd seen us against Nottingham, Cardiff, Sheffield. Uh, yeah, so we'd, we'd lost them three. Um, to which I think one memory that stands out from that was we played Sheffield. Uh, we had a former player who became bigger at Belfast in George Awada, who was our top point scorer, I think, that first season. I or if not, he was in the top two. Um, he wasn't playing because he was injured. So, as opposed to when you watch the NHL, they go in like the uh, the sky boxes to watch. Yes. The MEN at the time had only the sides, so you had very much. It's very much like it is altering him in a way. So you had the the block behind the benches, and then you had the block. Behind the penalty box, George Ward and another Manchester player decided to sit in 109, where it was blocked off to everyone. So he's there in a suit, along with his other person, and he had in front of everyone two people in the yellow Manchester Arena jackets telling him he could not sit there, and removed him from the seats and he had to come all hit the longest trip back up the stairs and away never to appear again um that's mad yeah so it it wasn't the it wasn't the, <laughs> the best of terms it's not really one year i really look back upon as much well, well no because obviously after that as well as you said like the attendance of the storm and now the phoenix are getting Obviously, isn't enough to pay for the rent in yeah. the 9x slash Emmy and Arena. As you yeah. said, 17,500 capacity, say 4,500 average. Yeah. The math doesn't work, yeah, no matter it, what way you put it. It, it was just under 4,000. I don't know if you're going to, to bring up the the cost of the, of the arena. No, I, gen, genuinely, I don't I don't know the cost of it, but obviously, it's, <clears> it's I, not I, okay. So if you're running it, if your budget is for say eight thousand fans and you're yeah. running at half that, the money's going to run out very quick. Well, I can make it even <clears throat> slightly better uh, in the fact that um, if we had a budget, we're probably thinking you base it on kind of like your crowd. So if you're getting yes. four thousand, you're thinking, oh, I've, I've, you've got a certain thing. No, 
every time we ever hosted an ice hockey game at the arena as Phoenix, it was a pound a seat. And of course, the arena holds 17,245. So every game, (laughs) it would cost a team to run 17,245 along with the ice rent, the arena, and other stuff. So unsurprisingly, we didn't stay there after that season, and we mothballed for a couple of years. Which again is this was obviously they're effectively booted out of the NEN. Yeah. I mean, I've just done the math on that. Seventeen two four five times twenty eight home games is four hundred eighty thousand pounds. Yeah. <laughs> that's without before you even start paying people and yeah. all that stuff. So obviously, the now infamous Altrincham Ice Dome is built. <laughs> oh, a place that is. Near and dear to anyone who's ever been there's hearts. Or was it? <laughs> or was it? It depends where you look at it. It was a newly built facility. But, um... Because we should have moved in there in 2006. We didn't move in there till February of 2007. Because we had to play pretty much the first half of the season on the road. We have home Which... games against Sheffield Steelers at I Sheffield. I mean, the Leeds Chiefs this year have proved that that is possible, and full credit to them. But that is literally that 06... <laughs> that's literally Phoenix. Leeds yeah. Chiefs this year is the Phoenix of two thousand and six. But that oh six oh seven season, obviously, again, it's the first of three more years in the Elite League and the start of. The Manchester Messiah era in Tony Hand. Yes. So. Obviously, at the time, that would have been a massive signing for a team in any of the well, mm. any of the teams in the Elite League. Yeah. For that to be Manchester and a team that had struggled for so long, that must have been big for fans. Um, I could be slightly wrong in this, but I think due to, I think if you were still have your storm glasses on and then followed the Phoenix um, and didn't really follow not really a big hockey kind of know things about the sport if it was solely kind of the the committed psychotic fan of your club um, he was always a Sheffield player mm. so of course having a Sheffield player managing Manchester is always going to be seen as a bit awkward. Um, So, of course, when we had Hand, but I think in previous years we've had, I think he'd won the title with Belfast. He'd coached, I think, Air as well. Either they folded while he was in charge or the season before. Uh, and he was at Edinburgh. Um, and there was another team. Oh, I want to say Dundee. To which, yeah, it will have been Dundee because he was involved in that infamous. He got arrested, um, which is <laughs> which is an interesting story to read in his book. Um, when he 
he decided to have a fight with a Coventry um, player, and then apparently he had a fight with a Coventry fan, which never happened. As you did. So, um, yeah. So he, to be honest, he 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 did a great job doing it, kind of season by season. The first year it was pretty much a write-off because we we got to yes, we're going to move into a new. I was going to say state of the art, but you've been there, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, uh, well. <clears throat> so I've been to the Ultra Rhinestone a handful of times now, and <laughs> when you tell me it's built in 2000 and... 2006, 2007, yeah, I've never seen so much wood used in an ice rink, yeah, ever, and still haven't to this day. <clears throat> like the place is a fire hazard, and. I've been there for other events. I've been there for a wrestling show as well. I've like it's a nice place to watch hockey. For the most part, you can see everything that's going on. Well, ninety percent. Ninety percent, but Hannah Price hasn't burned to the ground yet. I have no idea. Well, well the the thing about it was, Cardiff had exactly <clears throat> the same with Cardiff Bay. Arena or the big blue tent, as it was the big blue tent, which is now literally Leeds Rink, because uh, that's what it was. Um, but the the thing that Cardiff and Manchester had was we were we had these wooden flat pack rinks, and we were going to move into brand new facilities for the twenty uh, yeah twenty twelve season, both of us. Manchester and Cardiff. Hmm. No. Um, so, it, and it has a 15... <laughs> it's been told it has a, an expectancy of a 15-year life shell. Yeah. Uh, and I think this year is, I think, the 13th year or... Yeah, it would be year 13. Yeah, so it has two more years before... Who knows? Just collapses. Um, <laughs> just, just implodes. So, because you had Cardiff made the most of theirs, both had design flaws, which hmm. <laughs> the uh, the rink operators admitted. Um, but whereas Cardiff struck lucky and had two wealthy businessmen kind of take it over, and because they were already getting a new facility anyway, Cardiff, they just needed to fund it. When the two that came in from Calgary and helped him sped it on a whole lot so they could move out of that dump. And I'd just like to tell you this one moment to say, Ice Arena Wales is a lovely ice pad to watch ice hockey. Just please fix your sound system. The PA in there is awful. I'm, I'm just trying to... I've been twice. I've been twice to that rink. That arena. Uh, and I've been in... on both pads. I've been four times in the last three years, obviously, with the Devils. And just every time it's, you're struggling to hit a piano. And I've been for a Devils game as well when it's like Coventry a few years ago. And you just can't hear anything. And you've got a massive screen as well. And you use the tiniest yeah. bits for the information. Because it's four. It's weird because I thought it was a cube, but it's not, is it? It's like four separate screens now. Yes. So. Um, but yeah, we that's that first season back, so 2006 2007. Um, 
literally became on the road as home. So we were playing hmm. D side, North Wales. Um, More on that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we then did Manchester. Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> you get on the bus at Manchester. Um, I Sheffield. What was the other one? I think they were toying with Blackburn at one point, but they chose not to. So it was basically D side or I Sheffield. Um, so we kind of spent the majority playing there. Uh, the first game was against the Basingstoke Bison, to which I think we lost 6 5. But it's without a doubt, and I cannot stress this enough, it is the greatest, greatest delay of game call I have ever seen in public, in live, and in living colour. I cannot remember who the hell it was that was playing for the Bison, but I will draw the scene for you. You've hmm. been to the Altrincham Ice Rink. I have, yes. You have the scoreboard end. Or the kind of like the tin shed that has like a scoreboard put there. <clears throat> so And heaters. I remember there being heaters there. Oh yeah, it used to be real it used to be the greenhouse for a few seasons and then decided Oh it's an ice rink, it's supposed to be cold. Um so they had the scoreboard end and then you had the office or the box office end and it's only a small rink as it is it's not the smallest but it's small there was a face off in the Basingstoke end which was the box office end yeah um, the Bison player goes for a face off loses his stick goes to pick it up br- his stick breaks or, or the curve breaks the puck comes towards him. He's still in the face-off circle. Remember this. Mm. He's in the face-off circle. He tries to kick it away. The puck comes back to him. He picks up the puck with his glove. <clears throat> and proceeds to launch that thing like a shot put. Throws it... And goes miles over, um, I can't think what is Wolf. I want to say Matt Wolf. It's not Matt Wolf. Yeah. It'll come to uh, me. And it, it was the, oh, I should know this. It was Wolf, the goalie for Manchester. Um, for those listening at home, that's Jason. Jason, that's the one. <laughs> so, and he, I think he was like six foot five, something towards that end. This sailed so far above him, it nearly hit the scoreboard. And all you heard was this, the tinny noise of Puck meeting metal. (laughs) To which I think Andy Carson was the referee and kind of shrugged his shoulders and just went, you're off. Try not to laugh at the same time. It's a hell of a throw, though. Oh, honestly, I've never seen a throw. It was was Tom Brady-esque. Don't say that name to me. (laughs) Well, I can't really say Jay Cutler or Finger because it would have been intercepted. So, um, 
And less said about Trubisky, the best. Um, or Uncle Lennon, but that's a whole different sport. Podcast. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he gets um, a delay of game penalty, which is the most obvious thing. You agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He argues this point. <laughs> it's like, how can you argue? So I don't know what he was arguing over. Um, but yeah, for pretty much I think two seasons, because I, I seem to pick and choose who I went to see, because uh, I was still fairly young at that time. Um, probably 20, early 20s. <clears throat> Uh, and I didn't really fancy going on a on a bus and tram ride for an hour to get from where I am to town. Yeah, it, effectively, you are the other side of Manchester from where the rink now is. I am in Manchester, getting a bus to Manchester to take a tram outside of, on the outskirts of Manchester. The next stop is Dimple. Yeah. The only thing I remember about is you have trams with accents. Yeah. It's brilliant. To which slightly annoys me because they say half the place is wrong. So it's like, uh, this is the Altrincham line, the next stop. It's like, wh- why stress it? It's like, the next stop will be Navigation Road. People always come. I, I always make the joke of if anyone ever gets the tram, from Manchester. If anyone's seen that scene from The Simpsons where Lisa gets lost on the bus going to the <laughs> museum, that is Cornbrook. Cracton. Cracton is basically Cornbrook. It's literally where it's from. It must have been stolen because that is pretty much Cornbrook. Uh, to which even, even mice walk around with like nuclear missiles just to be safe. Um, so yeah, it, it takes roughly an hour and five minutes to get from where I am to Altrincham. Yeah, so it's it's a long old day. It's a, it's a two hour round yeah. trip. You got a three hour hockey game. It's yeah, it's a long time of your day. And and it's even longer when it goes to overtime in penalties, and then you see your tram just going going off, and then you have to wait for another twelve minutes. When the weather in Altrincham is like Ice Station Zebra. <clears throat> I can confirm that was the, when we did the podcast there, there was that one time I was <laughs> Which is... It, it's a very open... I mean, I would say podcast studio. I mean car park. Yeah. Um, Get it right. <laughs> so if it, the wind picks up, you are... <laughs> to, to which it's... We always make comment about the uh, the podcast that we used to help out on being from the car park and it always sounded slightly dodgy we are here in the car park top a, a group of grown men huddled around in a car park what could possibly sound wrong with that sentence I'll have no slander of Ben Knight and the rest <laughs> of the podcast growing this um, so yes um, so I think it, as I said, it must have taught me roughly 13 games, I think, before I actually saw a Phoenix win. From the first season to, I think, the third season I was watching. So I probably saw about 
five, six games a season. Hmm. Uh, I did not see a single win for Phoenix, and I was convinced I was cursed. Um, still out to this day. Yeah, still am. Um, so, but yeah, it was fun times. The the elite years with with I mean the final elite season to which I always get this one wrong. I think was two. 2009, 2010, 2008, 2009. Yeah, I always yeah, get it wrong. Yeah, every year, every time I ever bring it up, I put it. I always get the year wrong. Uh, I, I must admit, I am cheating. I am still. I'm currently looking at elite prospects. It is 0809 was the last elite. Yeah, it sounds like a premium rate number. Um, <laughs> to which there was nothing premium about altering it. Let me tell you. Um. But yeah, the the final season, we we really punched the phrase "punching above your weight." Manchester were probably punching about three times above their weight that season, because we had no rights to be in two cup finals, uh, to which we lost both to Belfast. Arguably, got stung by the league in the fact that we were playing. Like ridiculous backlog, backlog games of like three games every single week mm. for like nearly a month just to catch up on games due to <laughs> literally making quarterfinals, semifinals. Um, <clears throat> to which I think Belfast may have got a game changed, and we'd asked for help for like off the top teams, and it was just like, no, 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 we we don't want to do that. Um. Plus, we had the smallest. We we always did Phoenix. We always had the smallest team in the league. It was always like two line hockey for as long as I can remember with hand. It was like just push a boat out, get like an extra player. No, because um, like we had fan favourites. You had uh, Brett Cloutier, who was our enforcer. Um, you had David Alexander Beauregard or DAB. A lot will remember. Before you carry on with him, I, I never got to see David Alexander Beauregard. I really only got to know the story a few years ago in a copy of Sports Illustrator where he was featured. Quit me for all this, but he was either partially sighted or blind in one eye, I want to say. He was, was mostly blind in one eye. He, I think he... I could be wrong in this because I, I can't remember the, the story because I've not heard it for a long but time. But it was, it was just because obviously he was a fantastic talent. Obviously I've seen clips on YouTube as most yeah. people will have done when they've watched it. But literally the only reason why he couldn't play in the mm. NHL had nothing to do with the fact that he was blind in one eye. Yeah. It's because the NHL rules wouldn't allow him to wear a full face cage. Yeah. And that rule still stands to this day. The only helmets you're allowed to wear all the time in the NHL are uh, with or without a visor. You yeah. can wear a cage if you are injured, yes. but apparently being blind doesn't count. Yeah. So the fact that he could do what he did, <laughs> essentially only being able to see out of one eye, yeah. is incredible. Because it's, it's the thing as well. I think he took a... Uh, either he was in the, the minors or working his way up to getting into the minors... Uh, the minor leagues. Um, he took a stick to the eye, I believe, which is how he 
became blind. Um, but for someone, I mean, I've seen players with two eyes, and some of the things that he could do, like he could bat the puck out of midair, mm. and he's using like one, maybe one and a bit good eyes. I mean, if he can do that, and you've got really skillful players, like players that are probably the most skillful in the league and still today, even they couldn't do some of the things that this guy could do. Mm. Which is the reason why, of course, if you're a lower team, you've got someone that has the ability to, you're going to try and sign him. Which, of course, Nottingham did. So, not I think he was there for a couple of seasons. <clears throat> I could be wrong. I'm sure Elite Cross Won a, a few trophies there yeah. as well. Um, to which he was... He always came across as one of the the nicest people you've you've ever known, or that I've from conversations with friends. They've always said uh, Bogard was like the friendliest person to chat to. He'd, he'd spend talking hours with you. Just seemed to be like one of like the nicest guys in hockey. Um, <laughs> to which uh, a friend that you and me know in Jim. Uh, when he got married, he got a special uh, voice message recorded at his wedding, and in one of them was from David Alexander Beauregard, along with Brett Cloutier as well. Um, <clears throat> but it it would have been interesting to see how far he could have gone if he was allowed to go in like AHL even further. Yeah. Because I think he would have been a very—he might not have been a top, obviously a top line, but he could have been highly. Up there. He could have contributed. Oh yeah, he definitely could have contributed. Um, but yeah, we we had a probably the final elite league season was arguably the best as Phoenix were in the top flight, which I kind of stands to reason making two cup finals. Um, we went. Uh, we never made a. <clears throat> I, I, I told her, we never made a playoffs weekend when it was the quarterfinals were based over two legs. Mm. We did make the playoffs final the first ever season, but they were in groups. It was like two groups of four. Um, so we did make it that season, but it was. Kind of a team that had a lot of potential, but just just either seemed to run out of steam every season. That's the best way I can describe him in the Elite League. <clears throat> well, see, moving from the Elite League was... And when I when I wrote my notes down for this one, I, generally, it's less of a question, more just a statement. I just put the drop-down and the big bad team. <laughs> so, from I, I just want to talk solely from 2009-2014 for this one. <clears throat> yeah. Obviously, the EPL era is basically when I started to get back into hockey was around, it would have been 2011, 2012. Mm. And I I always remembered seeing the things of the Phoenix were basically the big, bad, evil team that spent all the money and ruined everyone's fun, Mm. along with Guildford. Um... Obviously, you being in the main end of that, 
argument in Manchester and obviously seeing the drop down first and then I mean two league titles and one playoff title in the five uh, years and about um, three, a league t- that first, yeah. the first five years never finishing outside the top three as well yeah. <laughs> give us your thoughts on the start of the EPL um, the first year <laughs> just you use the term dropping down the um the PR that came out from Phoenix, um, from recollection, was moving to the EPL is not a drop down. It is precisely a move across. No, it's a drop down. <clears throat> yes, it's, it's a drop down. But that was how it was built. Um, so, the first couple of games, that, to be honest, the the start of the EPL era is when I regularly started to go to games. So this is mostly me now being a regular. Um, so the first few games, you, you can't you can't really argue in the fact that we were seen as like the, <clears throat> the almost like a money team considering we were mm. elite and then moved down. Um, but then of course we had Basingstoke had already dropped down months before we did. Uh, or they'd applied to come down, I should say. Because they they were massively struck with loads of either financial or just other problems. Um, but the, I think the first... I think the first game we played was down at Basingstoke. And we turned Ed Courtney... To which he had literally stepped off the plane that morning. I think either drove down to Basingstoke or got picked up from London to head to Basingstoke. Scored a hat trick and I think the winning goal. Which not, not a bad debut. Yeah. To which there's certain plays in the league where you go, you're too good for this to be in this league. Yeah. He was one of them. Despite the fact his knees had gone <laughs> completely, he was literally, he could go to the blue line and he would not move off that blue line because he literally couldn't. He couldn't back check because his knees had gone. Yeah. Um, so he got to the point where it was more, it was like playing beer league but getting a wage from it, effectively for him. Uh, we've, <laughs> with all respect to <clears throat> EPL players and teams at that era um, but I th- the thing with Phoenix as well during that time we never had a real rival so to speak in, no. in the elite league you had, I mean we had kind of like a fake one with Sheffield but other than the Roses there's no, there's no, what's the rivalry there's like a team near bottom doesn't do anything against Sheffield who win Grand Slams trophies everything nothing there uh, so then when Phoenix moved to the EPL, we had Sheffield, who... Then the Scimitars? They were the Sheffield Scimitars, with a Mr. James Archer, I think, was playing for him that season. And seemed to cause us a few problems from memory as well. Um, but it's OK, we, we had a we had Andre Pyatt as, as our enforcer in the league. In a league that had literally two fighters. There was Chris Wiggins, 
who is with Bison. Um, I think the, I want to say Sharp, but I think he still might have been in the Elite League. I don't think he was with Romford at that time. So, um, so there's literally because Pite would go around wanting to take on the world and realizing the world was extremely. It was like lockdown, basically. There was no one, no one was coming out. Um, so, of course, the, the first season, we kind of expected to be really successful. Because I think, oh, we've got a fair bit of money. We've dropped down. We should do really well. <coughs> we did to an extent, but we probably aimed a bit higher than we really should have done. Um, so even though we, we did make a playoffs weekend, which is a, a rarity for Manchester teams, well, really. You say rarity in the EPL era, it was a <coughs> bloody good record in making yeah. playoff weekends as a six in a row yeah. before it finally... I think prior to that, we'd only made, I think, two... Oh, you could have made two playoff weekends from the year 2000 as a, as Storm or mm. as Phoenix. I think we only made something like two playoff appearances. I think there was one with Storm in the early 2000s. Uh, no, mid-2000s, because we, we lost to Sheffield. Um, could have been three, actually. I'm just recollecting now. Um, and then... But we never, Manchester was never, never has been, never will be a playoff team. We might make playoff semi-finals and finals, but we weren't a playoff winning team. Um, so, of course, the first year we lost to Slough. Following year, we lost to Milton Keynes. And I think in the last minute of overtime, which is the season we first won our first elite, uh, elite league, our first EPL title. Okay, listen up. Our blue line is our last line of defense, and our defensemen line up on the blue line. That's where they draw a line in the sand. But you can't draw a line in the sand in hockey. The blue line is drawn on the ice, not in the sand. But if you don't draw a line in the sand as our last line of defense on the blue line, then you'll flatline. And if you flatline on the blue line, you'll make headlines. And I in line. Okay. Let's hit the showers. Well, let, let, let's go to that one, the EPO title, because that 2010-2011 team yeah. is probably arguably the most destructive top line in the history of the EPL. Yeah. And I'll read off the numbers closely. I know you probably know them, but people who might listen didn't, won't. This is Terry real had, as well. So if I go from if I go from third up, you had Curtis Huffey, who was an import. Yeah. Who uh, I think he was, fans came to hate. I was going to say, uh, was is he deemed as a uh, an import? Or yeah, he, he really, was an import that yes. day. Yes. Yes. Uh, a hundred and ten points in fifty four games. Second was the new import in the league that year, Marcus Christofferson, Toffee. who uh, 112 points in 54 games, 62 goals as well. Huppy also had 59. Right. 
And Tony Hand topped it, 54 points, 100, 54 games, sorry, 133 points, 25 goals, 108 assists. Not too bad. If you don't mind me saying, but <laughs> damn. <laughs> it's uh, 355 points from your top line the, in a season. The, the thing is, though, you look at that, without looking at the league table, if you hear stats like that, you would expect that team to be miles Crushed clear it. of second place. Yep. And it was two points. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> That's the thing that still gets me. They have that many points, but at the same time, it... And to be still honest... Only. And to be honest, it came down to the final game of the season. Which... Because um, I... <laughs> I'd gone to the, the final two games. The, the Saturday night was down in Peterborough, hmm. uh, to which everyone from Manchester seemed to travel down to Peterborough, expecting a formality win in the fact that we needed a point to win the title. So we were all... We were discussing it, I remember, a mate, mate and me in the car, um... <clears throat> while listening to England getting massacred in the Cricket World Cup at that time. Um, and there was a... We were discussing, would you take an overtime loss or would you rather win to win the title? <clears throat> and we all seemed to come to the thing of we would have happily have took a overtime loss because everyone would have been happy. Peter yeah, you get, you get it to overtime. In a way, you just get it to overtime and you can start celebrating. Go yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we got hammered 6 2. <laughs> I think we scored the first goal. I think it was Christofferson scored. Uh, and then it just went horribly wrong from that point onwards. Uh, to which I think there was a, a Peterborough official when. <laughs> to be fair, I've just seen who the goalie would have been for Peterborough that night. I'm not surprised. Stephen Wall. Yes. Yeah. To which I have a funny playoff story about him. Um, but the, I've got my own, funnily enough. <laughs> uh, I think we all do playoff weekends. Um, but the the thing about Peterborough is, or the rink at least, is a bit weird in the fact that it is the only rink I've ever been to, or arena, where there is a home season ticket holder in the away block. I think that may have changed since the last time you've been there. I was going to say that Peter Rosnick is very weird and it is the only rink I've ever been to where I have literally feel, felt my hands and feet want, like they want to fall off. It, it is, is cold. the coldest rink I've ever been to. Yeah. Admittedly, the last time I went in there was for an NIHL 2 game and there was about 30 people and I was one of only three people stood in the away block. So that might have had something to do with it, yeah. but it is Freezing. cold. I mean, the coldest one I've ever been to is Cardiff's second pad at the IA... Well, it's not the IAA now, is it? It's the... IAW. Viola Arena. But the... Because I'm doing para hockey and being in my shorts, recording a game, and you can see literally my hands shaking, trying to live stream on Facebook. Um, so, yes, and the, the other thing about Peterborough is the referees, 
uh, locker room is literally right by the away fans, unless it has changed since... No, no, it still is. Yeah. And we recall a Peterborough official going into the referee's uh, locker room and a certain owner of Manchester standing outside with his arms folded, fuming, waiting for this official to come out. Uh, and I don't think he ever did because he must have known there's a, another way to get out. Uh, so that was a an awful night. Driving back over Woodhead as well in thick summer fog in the case of if you put your hand out of the window towards the windscreen, you could not see it. <laughs> that is how bad it was. Uh, the following day we faced Swindon, uh, to which we still needed a point, and Swindon were a bit of a bogey team in the fact that we never seemed to... Uh, I think we all seemed to lose at Swindon, but we do fairly okay... Uh- <clears throat> from history from how long I've been keeping track of it it's all like I say it's been a case of we've had a good record against you down at the link yeah but our record in the Stone was tragic I think yeah. in the four years I remember us being there I think I only ever saw us win there twice maybe hmm. to which I think scores with Manchester and Swindon always seem to have the number three included so it was either a 6-3 win down south or a 6-3 win up here. But it did the help when you said it. They were always usually uh, high-scoring games because <laughs> Swindon still to this day have never thought of actually uh, investing in a defence. Yeah. Because I think it was that season as well. I think Phone got injured. I think he he, he took a, a shot and the puck seemed to... I think it was that game where it was a similar one but he picked up an injury down at Swindon um, so that kind of knocked us for a, a tiny bit but we, we still held on um, but it was one of the best title runnings I can think of may not be as good as the Basingstoke one but um, but yeah that's that, that was my thoughts on the, the title winning season so First one. Fast, fast forward two years, and <laughs> after, <laughs> literally, I've got it on the early, early prospects here. And this is 2009-2010 playoffs, semi-final lots. 10-11 semi-final lots. 11-12 final lots. Yeah. 12-13, the year the monkey finally got off the back. It was the first year that I'd actually gone to playoff finals weekend, and it was the first time we actually met. Was in Coventry. Yeah. Um, so. That team that year was disgusting. We touched briefly on it last week with imports and stuff like yeah. that. But, and I mean, I've told you this, I've told many people this, but Michael Cerny is probably the, my favourite player to have never played for Swindon. Mm. Because that man could do disgusting things on a nice pad yeah. and did yeah. most of that season and most of that weekend. <laughs> And and the more he was there, the more I think it kind of went against him as well. I think the first that playoff year, uh, he was almost like the silent assassin in the fact that if you tried to rough him up, he didn't bite. Mm. And then he'd he'd get like a slash, he'd get whacked, he'd do 
anything done to him, he'd come off and then his next shift he'd score. And if you kept hounding him and basically tried to take lumps out of him, he would come back and score a hat-trick. The seasons following, I don't know why, but he seemed to react more. And I think his... I don't know if his numbers will be this. They're probably roughly the same. But he didn't seem as clinical after that playoff final as he did for like the next couple. He did get a couple of injuries as well yeah. in the <clears throat> seasons that followed. Yeah, I think that was from all the slashes he used to get and everything. <laughs> I think it just went right. I've had enough now. So you also know most of the season. Obviously, I remember the playoff weekend yeah. and the game against Guildford. In the final, obviously. Yeah. After being the bridesmaid, never the bride for the three years yeah. previous to it, how did that feel to you, and obviously the fan base as a whole, to finally get over that finish line, as it were? I think you know me to not be the most um, lose myself over... In the moment yeah. kind of things, yeah. But... When Hans scored that goal, I remember losing my, you know what, mind. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the only time that comes close to it was um, Aguero scoring the last minute goal to win the title. Um, but I recall Hans scoring that goal, absolutely losing the plot in the stands going mad to everyone that's around me and then feeling like an absolute pillock afterwards thinking, oh God, did I really do that? Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> um, but the, I, I put this in, I don't think I put this on a public one. I think this is in a, in a Phoenix group I'm in. I made the case of as good as that semi-final, uh, sorry, as good as that final win was against Guildford, and we'd actually lifted a trophy, beat the mm. the top dogs in Guildford, who, correct me if I'm wrong, had won the EPL Cup. Yeah, they'd done they'd the double won that. They the year. league. So <clears> they were going for the, you can't really call it the Grand Slam, but they, they were going for the, the, the treble. The treble. Um, for me, though, it was the semi final. Against Basingstoke, the game against Basingstoke yeah. was. But for me, immense. that is still more um, the better game for me than than Guildford. I think, as in previous seasons, we'd win semis and we'd tire ourselves out. The thing was with the the Guildford final, as opposed to us staying, I think, in Coventry overnight, we tried to use it as if we was playing a league game still. So mm. everyone went home back to into their own beds and then came and back came to back Coventry. Down. So we treated it unlike a playoff weekend and more like an actual league thing. And it worked. To which I don't think we did it the following year when we reached the final as well. But that's enough story. No. Um... But yeah, when we were on fire, we were on fire. The thing is, you left the semi-final in space, though, and obviously you're thinking, mm. OK, it's gone all the way to penalty shots. But that was the kind of game where 
particularly me as an outsider, was looking at thinking, no, they're going to win this. Yeah. Because it always been a, it's always a case of, like, especially when you have playoff weekends as a whole, it's usually the team that has to properly work for it in a semi-final yeah. is the one that you look at it, you look at the next day and go, nah, they've got it. And Guildford just coasted through that semi-final with Milton Keynes yeah. earlier was, in the day. That was the thing. It was, cause it was a too shock. easy, too lackadaisical. It, it was a shock because every... Because like the previous couple of times when Milton Keynes and Guildford have faced each other, it's always been a case of... Milton Keynes were always competitive and really challenged Guildford and beat them once or twice. In that game, they didn't really seem to offer too much. It was probably the mm. weakest performance by an MK side I have ever saw in a playoffs weekend. Oh, yeah, playoffs weekend. Um, but I think Guildford went into it extremely overconfident as well, to which they should have. In, in truth, you've, you've won the cup, you've won the league, you're facing a Manchester team to which you've done really well against. It's If it was in Altrincham, I'd probably would have gone Manchester. But when it's at a neutral venue, and the way Manchester were in finals, Guildford probably had all, <laughs> had all rights to be extremely confident. <laughs> I do remember that. This is one of the last memories I have of the podcast is something cramped in that tiny room in the windmill fucking Coventry. And Ben Knight going round the room <laughs> of all of the Manchester fans and them all going, mm, too nervous to come make a prediction. All going, Guildford, oh, it'll go to penalty shots, oh, it'll go to overtime. And I called it on the day, it's like, no, Manchester. It's like, why? Yeah. It's like, because, they said, they worked for it. They had. They were up for it. You could tell. You could tell by the way that they had to battle back to beat the Bison yeah. on penalty shots. Anyway, the celebration. Well, I, I say celebration, but you could tell that winning the semi-final meant a lot to that yeah. team to begin with. Yeah. And it was just that feeling, and it's just it's one of those last memories of all you lot as Phoenix fans all <laughs> sitting there doing, oh, we're not going to win, we're not going to win, and it's like. Have you got it in the bag? You're gonna win by three. Because <laughs> that, that, the things, there's three people I remember in that room. Of, well, obviously, other than, as you say, that were kind of. Uh, I mean, I'm Jim, I'm the most pessimistic. Nervous wreck. That Jim, I remember Jim going, Phoenix will win. But he said it with not as Isn't much conviction me? as he normally did. <laughs> Whenever Jim normally made predictions, he'd go, uh, I think we'll win 4-3. Or he'll come out with a score and it was confident. I would love to listen and go back to... Oh, you can't now, but it would have been interesting to hear how he sounded predicting a score. Because I recall everyone that was Phoenix in that room was thinking... Mm, we can see it, but the way we are, no. I believed. <clears throat> uh, to which the only other person that was outnumbered was Aaron. To which To which I seem to recall him being com. But even though he didn't seem that confident from recollection mm. either, 
Because he actually thought, if this had been the Phoenix before, I think he, or the year before, he would have said, definitely Flames. But as you said, there was a difference between the two semis. The yeah. semi the year before with Phoenix against the Steel Dogs when we won a shootout, we were drained. <clears throat> it was more yeah. a case of, oh, well, we, we, at least we've, we've got to the final and then used up everything. That semi against Basingstoke seemed a case of, because they were trailing in the shootout and then they came back, it was a case of, if we can do this to Basingstoke, because we played well in that semi-final as well, it was it was probably the most, I still say it's the best semi-final I've seen in an EPL playoff. <laughs> but I've, I could be biased, but for two teams competitive, not a final, a semi-final, that is probably the most competitive I've ever seen it. I, I don't think you're wrong, personally. Yeah. Um, so, I want to skip over the 13-14 playoffs. Because we can say that one for me, because that is the one that broke my heart again that weekend. But was it, it was, was it the chip shop incident, or...? No, Chip Shot was 2012 13. 13 oh, 14 well. was the Manchester Swindon semi final. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> we, we could talk about that one. And, and you might be shocked <laughs> in what I say about that. I want to go ahead not. to probably the worst one, which was 14 15. Uh, and this is going to bring back terrible memories. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've ever sort of. I, I haven't heard many people from the Phoenix side, especially the podcast team, talk about it in the most part. Uh, the 2014-15 season was a weird one anyway. Yeah. Um, we're talking the peak of Moneybags Telford. They were uh-huh. really by 17 points, as I've just looked up on here. The Phoenix finished in sixth, which at the time was their lowest finish ever. Mm-hmm. You even managed to finish behind Swindon, which is an achievement. Mm-hmm. Trust me. But you beat Basis Oak in the quarterfinals, and then you get to Coventry again, not expecting much. And for lack of a better term, Coventry weekend that year was the beginning of the end. Yeah. And I remember sitting with all of you. Yeah. In, and I'll give it a cheeky plug here the Nando's in Coventry City Centre. As the news started creeping through that the Phoenix were being kicked out of the Ice Dome. Yeah. Now, I know obviously it's a really touchy subject, and trust me, I will have to talk to you about it, but (laughs) what was going through your head that Saturday night when everyone sort of thought, it's just a rumour, it's just a rumour, but is it kind of thing? All right. I'll give you two options. Do you want me to do from the immediate second the game was over to that evening, or to the next day, or just that evening? Go through the evening first, because obviously you'll probably be able to get into that. So the, the evening, from recollection, was we'd... I think we were, we were the afternoon game, weren't we? Uh, 
Yes, it yeah. was you against Swindon, Swindon I believe. Oh, it's Swindon. Was it Swindon? Was us? Yes. Yeah. First semi. Because <clears throat> um, we, I recall, leaving. Well, it, we obviously saw the second semi-final, to which I think those of us that started out in the the windmill pub. Because that was you go to as soon as the game's over to the windmill. <laughs> Just for the record, people who might not know, also country, the windmill pub is literally a two-minute walk away from yeah. the country sky dam. Unless you've just won something, then it could be ten seconds. Um, but I recall going there after the, I think we'd had something to eat. We'd gone to the pub because we were meant to have done a follow-up podcast after the second game. Uh, I recall going to the pub, going in kind of where it was like the little enclosed section. The, the podcast yeah. room, as it yeah. basically became over the weekend. Well, well, we went in the podcast room, but there was no one there, which was slightly worrying because it, there was always someone there. So we're thinking, oh, maybe they've just not set up. We then went round the corner where they had the... <clears throat> almost like the extra what well, smaller set there was still no one there um, so I'm stood outside awaiting them to come in to do a show and I can't remember I think I might have contacted Mark or Stuart um, to which at the point I get a reply and they said it's all gone off mate I'm thinking at this point, is this like a, a. When you hear someone saying it's gone off, you're thinking like a fight or something like that. So, so yeah, at this point, I remember being. <clears throat> so, you got that text. We were outside because I had met you after I'd spoken to some mates, and it was me, you, and the Morts were just stood outside yeah. chatting for ages. Because I think we were waiting to. I think. Emily. Well, we were waiting just to meet everybody. We, else. Yeah, that was literally what. Oh, that was it. It was Emily got a text, and then uh, to say come to a certain hotel because that's where everyone was staying. And then there was me and I want to say Stu- I want to say it was Stuart. It was Probably. Stuart. So uh, it started off with us all met at the hotel. We went to get something to eat and. With and obviously more and more information is like coming out that basically Silverblades, the company that ran the Audrey Meister at the time, had not been able to come to an agreement with yeah. Neil Morris and the Phoenix mm-hmm. and they were moving them out. Obviously, yeah. we're touching it later why as to that all happened. Yeah. And then it was back in the I'm not gonna say the name of the chain, but the hotel yeah. near the Skydome where Ben and Jim his lovely wife, Stuart. the Mort, Stuart, we're all staying. Right. And we were there until about, I want to say it was about <clears throat> half 12, 1am, yeah. just talking about it all. Um, go on. No, no, it's just saying, obviously, from an outside perspective, like, I could see how, I want to say dejected you yeah. were, because it's kind of that thing of, like, you're hearing this and thinking, no, this can't be real, this can't be true. And it's like, actually... It is. It's like 
you're basically going into a playoff final the next day homeless. Yeah. There is no rink. You've got a playoff final the next day against the Peterborough Phantoms. You've got no home. You've got some fans yeah. who obviously are refusing to believe it, some who are more accepting of it. And, and you had a lot of hockey, fans. You had a lot of fans as well. And hockey know. fans are both brilliant and vicious at yeah. the same time. And I'm not going to say this more, things I'm saying this more as a general thing, that you saw online that night that there were certain groups of fans who were sympathetic and didn't want to believe it and didn't want it to happen. And some which were very, yeah, this is what you deserve, yada, yada, yep. yada, and all that nonsense. It was like the vitriol was very, it was there. It was weird. It was just a weird atmosphere for the rest of the weekend. And, and it wasn't only online either. It was even in the room. Even it was in the sky room. as well. <clears throat> As we said, we'd we'd then, I think you and me walked to this particular hotel chain. Because I want to say uh, Ben Callahan came up, but I don't think he did. No, I think he, he stayed with Thomas. Um, so I think you and me gone with Emily. So we'd gone, and everyone is frantically. It it looked like an office block, in the fact that everyone had a laptop. Everyone was going on forums. Everyone was contacting each other, saying, um, "What's what's going on? What what have you heard? What what's the facts that we have?" And I remember going from the space of kind of elation to well, maybe not. Elation. We're in the final kind of thing. Yeah, yeah you're happy. kind you're, of like you're, up, you're uplifted. Yeah, so. It was a case of a sigh of relief at beating Swindon, but that's for another story. Milton Keynes, that's what I put that out. You're getting your years mixed up. Oh, okay. Milton uh, Keynes. Fair enough. It's it's been a long time, um, <laughs> but I can remember '95. Um, so, yeah, so we we get we celebrate getting through. Then we. So from that point of like pure joy and everything, to then feeling a bit dejection when you hear all this news coming through, to then, as the night goes on, everyone's kind of... All the fun of the playoff weekend just felt like someone had burst a big massive balloon. <clears throat> I've never known an entire weekend go from like joyful and happy to instantly going flat so so quickly and so kind of like dramatically as well the problem is as well is like you knew very well that you like they somehow had to get the team up ready for Sunday and the playoff final yeah and as fans you knew you were heading into a route to try and cheer your team on to a playoff title spoilers it didn't happen yeah but you had the fans of a lot of other teams who were just there the entirety of Sunday, chirping and chirping, and it was just, yeah. as you said, it was a very weird atmosphere on the Sunday. There were some groups of fans who wanted to take the mickey, and there were some which were worried, because obviously 
we've already touched on the history with like the storm and obviously yeah. being kicked out of rinks and all that sort of stuff and mm. more knowledgeable fans yeah i'd say we're obviously worried for you and obviously it was a few months later when it all basically got confirmed that the Manchester Phoenix were effectively becoming the North Wales Phoenix. Because yeah. it was the the thing as well of it's like you said, we didn't know like what was going on. So we've gone from one moment enjoying a playoff semi final to then finding out that we've been kicked out, but no reason had been given at this point. Um to then heading into the playoff final, to which we'd done the show in the morning, and it could not have been any different from how we started that playoff podcast. How, so, how we started the podcast on Saturday. Yeah, on like Saturday was... to how we started the Sunday. It was the it was it was like Night and day. Yeah. It, it was like Christmas and birthday rolled into one, and then the next day was like being at a wig. Yeah, someone shot your dog. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but the thing was as well, we didn't know if the team would still be going after the playoff final. Yes. No one, no one knew. But you still had certain fans, I don't want to say reveling, but they were as so close to reveling as you can possibly get. Um, to which there were a few people that were sympathetic. However, there were still a lot that yeah. in that final, every time a goal went in, the amount of joy was timesed by 10. <clears throat> that I recall by a certain couple of teams. Um, Peter were exempt from this, obviously. <coughs> yeah. Peterborough's the only team... Peterborough's the team that you can cut out of it. Because they're yeah. obviously going to be cheering anyway. Um, but there were certain fans that I recall were... I recall getting to the windmill and seeing a couple of fans getting there early to drink to the demise of the club. <clears throat> that is what I recall seeing a couple of them doing. Uh, <clears throat> getting to... It's probably the only game I've been to where... I mean, the closest I can think of is the last ever Phoenix game. In the fact that we knew it was... This was literally the final ever game. And whatever will be, will be. The game against Peterborough was the only time I've ever felt that way. Of I really didn't care. Yeah, you if don't know won. what the future if, is. If we won, everyone still would have been dejected. The fact we lost probably didn't help things, but I think even I think some of the players were kind of thinking the same as the fans of all the boost and everything they had from winning the semi-final was completely <clears throat> wiped out after that news and everything. Because I, I would... I'm tempted to message someone and ask was the players told and what was their feelings on it after hearing that the, the club 
may or may not be playing after that playoff final. Because <clears throat> that would be interesting to hear. Because we've never heard what the players thought. Well, how are we doing for recording time? Um, coming up to two hours. So unless you want to break it up. Uh, well, if you you can ask your uh, contact, and we can touch that one last week because next week. Because trust me, I've got a lot more, and genuinely, I think that your opinions on all of this are actually quite interesting. And I've got some other ones. The last one, obviously, I wanted to really touch on for now for this week. If we say <laughs> yeah. this is the end of part one, pe- part one of Pete Cast. Pete the Cast. following year, obviously. It's a year on the road, it's a year playing in D-side, and I went actually back and found a load of the articles of it, and the promises that were made to the fan base, hmm. you look back at it, make me wince a little inside. Yeah. Because you're promising, <clears throat> like, there's promising 400-seat coaches to take people from Manchester to D-side, yep. there'll be presenters on each coach, basically, to do a rundown of the week in... British hockey, there was talk of games being live-streamed from a bar, if I remember rightly. Yep. Shooters. Um, and honestly, like, Manchester D-side wasn't exactly the shortest trip in the world. I did it once from Swindon, and that was a long day. Yeah. Um, but somehow you made it work. Like The fans, obviously, not to the extent that they're used to in Altrincham's, yeah. but there were still a lot of fans attending games. And once again, they made Coventry. You know, as the eighth seed, you knocked out. Oh, I can't remember Basingstoke. who it was. You knocked. You knocked Basingstoke yeah, out. You had a because they was, they should have gone through really. Because I think if they. Had... I remember rightly. You can actually hear the podcast from the quarterfinal on that one. Because I did go back and check. Spoilers: They did tease a return or a new a podcast next week, where the brilliantly titled "The Knee of Fate" was on yours. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Something to that extent. I remember also that one because that, that year playing D-side was a grind for you guys. Yeah. <clears throat> and that entire year was somewhat overshadowed off the ice <laughs> by... Certain things. This certain things. There was <clears throat> the claim of a new rink out near the Etihad campus, I want to say it was. Yes. That... You'd apparently acquired and you were building it, and then comes the magical story of the buyer brick for the Phoenix mm. Fund and all the promises that were made on that. I've got my own theories on opinions on this. I say I just wanted to know what yours were overall. <clears throat> well, this <coughs> this point in time is <clears throat> a slightly touchy one for me. It's a touchy one for me too, don't worry. You, you know the story I'm going to but, tell in a minute. But if you remember right, I was watching this. Yes, oh, uh, that's... Uh, I mean, wait, we'll, don't we'll, do that one. Yeah, that one's we'll, next we'll come week, to but, that to next time. Uh, 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 but... Why would Because you were there. I remember you being there with me. Was Again, we're going a, a lot of time spent in the windmill, trust me. Yeah. And a lot of time spent on the podcast. Yeah. But we... So, I mean, I was sat down for this bit. You were stood there. Was Neil Morris on the Sunday? Sunday, because he always did Sundays. He did the Sunday. Came in to do an interview with Ben and Jim, and he spent ten minutes bashing the fan bases of basically every other team in the league, praising the Phoenix ones. Because obviously, I know 
a lot of people who were very loyal to the Phoenix, and again, we can touch on it next week, where they put a lot of their own money, they raised a lot of their own money for this new ring. Yeah. And Neil basically came on the podcast and said that all these other teams want us to fail. It was us against the world and this kind of mentality. And <laughs> I remember you standing behind him just staring at me, knowing full well that me, a Swindon fan, yeah. had actually put in a hundred pounds. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd actually spent a hundred pounds, and like, it's the weirdest thing because the Manchester United podcast is like it was one big family. You had Ben, you had Jim, you had you, you had Mark, you had the Allens, you had lots of people, yeah. all Phoenix based and mm. Phoenix fans. But then you did have the odd person who obviously came to listen to the show, who were not you had me and Ben Swindon fans, you had yeah. Dan Breen, Peterborough, you had MK Rob, you had Aaron, a Guildford yeah. fan who lives in Manchester. Why do you want to be a Guildford fan? Yeah. I still don't know. But <laughs> we'd all either like chipped in a few quid here or there. I was the only one that I know of that actually spent money. Yeah. And I knew that you, that Ben, that Jim all knew this. And we're listening to Neil two other teams fans that saying they don't care they want us to die and the looks on all three of your faces because you could see that I was getting livid with it it was the fact as well because I don't know if you remember Sunday was traditionally uh, it was always seemed to be built up as uh, Neil Morris versus Anthony Russell <laughs> Yes. Every single player. Another fan who, obviously, from another team, and yeah. a well-known voice of the bison. Yeah, with the a... banners on the wall. Bannersonthewall.wordpress.com There you go, Anthony. There's your plug. Because I, I think you'd literally told us that you'd just chipped in. About five minutes, maybe? Are you, no, are you, you'd, you'd known for a while, because <laughs> it was the game I went to do, so I actually bought a signed Andre Pajic I think you told someone. I think that was you yeah. told someone because we were discussing yeah, it, and then you'd mentioned to someone about it, to which I think I'd completely forgot. Obviously, due to what had happened around that time, and then it was the fact that he <laughs> he kind of, as you say, went in a bit. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it was that and comedy it, it, thing of. As soon as he said it, our faces all stayed in the same place, but our eyes wandered in the direction you, to yep. which your face was nearly as red as the Swindon shirt. The shirt that I was wearing, <laughs> and the one that the one we really do have of that is Dan Breen was sat next to me at the time and literally just goes, grabs the microphone stand and just moves it in front yeah. of me. <laughs> I remember like, that now. I kept going to need this one because it was a case of, and I did agree with parts voice and yeah. obviously didn't agree a lot of it. And when I got on the mic, and I think this is still on a podcast somewhere, if you can find, dig it out, that he goes on to say that saying that how all these fans of other teams don't want us to succeed, they don't want us to be in a new home, they want us to fail. And to his credit, he did actually sit there and just listen to the retort I said, it's like. I do not doubt that there are a lot of fans of other teams that want you to fail, that think this is all a con and think this is an absolute crock. But there are fans that owe lots of things to the Phoenix and what 
<laughs> and I'm pretty sure I even mentioned Ben by name. Yeah. And we can touch on this when next week when we eventually get to me. Hmm. That they wanted to support in any way they could. It's not like spending, what was it, a grand on a gold brick? It's, oh. I know it's not a lot, It's but it's what I could chip in at the time. And for basically to have that, a man who is the owner of your club sit there and throw it back in people's faces saying they don't care really annoyed me that day the Jim will probably say the same thing if you ask him about that time which I can Mm. Um, in the case of he would literally say to him do not say anything controversial do not say anything to antagonise people just be very diplomatic in how you go about it, otherwise the slightest thing can make something good go putrid that was a case of arguably his heart ruling his head Mm. and instead of thinking what he should have said he just actually came out with it and it probably did more damage yeah. than he yeah. wanted. I, I think it turned a lot of people, both of other teams, and yeah. I think particularly the Phoenix, off yeah. doing anything. Don't get me wrong, Neil Morris is a nice guy, has been proven this week. I believe he's um, volunteering at a children's yes. ward. In Manchester. I do not felt Neil Morris the man. Neil Morris, the owner of the Phoenix, is particularly in what was a very difficult time, made some very, very fatal errors, and that was one of them. You're going on a podcast that, at the time, had a few thousand listens across British hockey, and the way, obviously, British hockey works, news gets around. So when you're essentially going on a live show and saying, other teams' fans are trying to kill us, it's like, well... To to which... I've actually, as much as he did great for the club, everyone, no one is perfect. Everyone will make mistakes. I had one or two, not issues, but I had one or two things about how the club was run, which didn't, which I think could have been better sorted or better how it could have been better run. <clears throat> that saying, I am not an owner. That was just how I came across certain things. And maybe if some of the things that we all thought, maybe the club would still be there now. Around. Maybe none of this would be happening. As is life. Um, but it wasn't... I mean, that whole... It seemed to be a case of take one step forward two back it was basically like the cha-cha slide but in in negative <laughs> less fun yeah <clears throat> um, but I mean there's we can touch on the, the brick thing next time because I I still remember the the uh, another spot that we follow is Speedway <laughs> and if you recall at the same time there was the National Speedway Stadium to which I think neither of us really thought would ever happen. Yeah. Uh, and they also did buy a brick. But they ran it very professionally. And 
run it how it should have been. Both were going on at the same time, and unfortunately, one went well because it was promoted to other teams' fans to buy a brick, help the club, and also the state of <laughs> the sport in Britain, uh, which is a shambles, but that's a <clears throat> that's another podcast for another sport. Um, but then for hockey, what should have been a good idea went very much backwards. Like I said, I think if we leave that there for now, because we're already at two hours of Very the story close. of Pete Bradbury. So, I, I, if next you let week. me, I'll, I'll try it next week. Uh, <laughs> things I've got to touch on for you, and obviously means that you can actually do some preparing work for it. Yeah. We've got, obviously, we'll touch on the end of the Phoenix, as it were. Uh, the reason why they got kicked out of the Ice Dome all will be revealed next week. I've also got, obviously, talks about your NHL love, uh, the Blackhawks, the Rangers, all sorts of that stuff, um, being a fan, obviously, of the seas, and obviously something you've fallen in love with over the last couple of years being the European Leagues as well. Uh, so I thought I was going to actually, be something else. But... I've actually done my research on you. But if you... Do you know what my sort code is? Oh, yeah. Give it time. Yeah. Be- be- begins with a number. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> if you've had enjoyed that, obviously, don't forget to give it a rate and a comment on iTunes. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Pete promises not to cry too much if you leave negative comments. And obviously, we will hopefully be back next week for Pete Cast Part 2. Would you say so? Indeedy so. So, we will leave it there. Thank you for listening, and we will reconvene probably at a later time. <laughs> but as is life, goodbye.